Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here is your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to my 412th ever show of all around sports. Reach Monday at noon Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. Well, my highlight of the week is the Tampa Bay Bucks, and specifically its defense demolishing Aaron Rodgers and the Packers yesterday down at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa with Tom Brady, TB12. Looking like uh, the Tom Brady we've watched for 20 years up here in New England. And it was uh, especially gratifying uh, as a Patriot season ticket member to watch Brady and Gronk have their best game together. Uh, hooking up for their first touchdown. It was Gronk's best game as a buck. And they just really took it to the Packers who started off the game as if they were going to be in control, which they were, until Aaron Rodgers threw a shocking pick six, and everything just changed immediately from there. And the Bucks just took over the game, and that was that. And speaking of taking over, it seems like the city of Tampa is taking over with the potential uh, to take Boston's title as the city of champions. Obviously, the Tampa Bay Lightning have already won the Stanley Cup a month or so ago. And the Tampa Bay Rays, congratulations to them, are in the World Series. They're going to face the Los Angeles Dodgers, and congratulations to them as well. They both got there after winning their respective Game 7s. Both were high drama, and both were great theater. So it seems to me that uh, Tom Brady is bringing... Uh, the winner's attitude and sprinkling his pixie dust, not just over the box, but uh, really to the whole city of Tampa. I spent a lot of time down there, used to live down in that area on the Gulf Coast of Florida, so I'm all in on all things Tampa and uh, see how well they do here. Uh, starting with the World Series, the Stanley Cup is secure, and uh, and then uh, we have the Bucks suddenly playing uh, playing hellacious defense uh, like yesterday, and you know the offense is going to be there with Brady in control. So, hail to Tampa! 
On the other side of the ledger, right here in my backyard, 20 minutes from Gillette Stadium, my low light of the week is watching the Patriots and Cam Newton look absolutely horrible yesterday in a loss to the Broncos, Denver Broncos. Uh, It really was obvious that the uh, last two weeks of COVID tests and lack of practices, I think they practiced twice in 16 days. Uh, Their offensive line was severely depleted. Three out of five starters were missing. So there was tremendous pressure on Cam. Uh, But uh, all that said, uh, the Patriots didn't look good at all. And the Broncos, who are not having a great season, uh, come in to Gillette and really just uh, pretty much dominated from start to finish, uh, except at the finish. Uh, They got greedy and uh, allowed the Patriots a chance to win. Two interceptions uh, late in the fourth quarter by the Patriots allowed them to get one score and draw within, uh, making it a one-score game. And with a a two-point conversion, of course, and and Cam couldn't get it done. I mean, when they got the second interception – uh, two minutes to go. I couldn't help but think of, you know, two-minute Tom Brady up here that we've gotten so used to in 20 years. Uh, and it just didn't get done. Uh, didn't get done by Cam. And again, he was really harassed all day and also including that final drive. Uh, but shockingly, uh, the Patriots are having their... Uh, First losing record uh, this deep into October in like 20 years. So there's a bit of a, uh, a, a minimum I'll call a concern, and maximum we'll call it a, a mini panic up here in New England. Um, so hopefully I, I think they just need to get right, get back to potentially a regular schedule, and have what's happened up here the last two weeks, which has been pretty crazy. Gillette Stadium closed uh, seemingly more more often than it's open in the last couple of weeks. And hopefully uh, uh, that they can put that all behind them and just get back on a regular schedule and look like the team we saw in the first couple of weeks with Cam Newton at the helm. And that leads right into my bizarre story of the week, which is the COVID-created two Monday night games uh, scheduled for tonight, starting at uh, 5 p.m. Eastern time uh, with the Bills and the Chiefs. Really uh, has the makings of being a spectacular game. And, uh, and then with another game to follow. So it should be, uh, again, just great theater. Um, One one benefit of the COVID has been, you know, seemingly recently sports all day, all night, um, or certainly all night, starting at 5 p.m. This course is tonight's two games are following last week's Tuesday night football. And, uh, so yeah, so it's really been, uh, 
uh, a wealth of riches, you know, preceded by the NBA playoffs and the hockey chase for the Stanley Cup, and uh, and the other game tonight following Chiefs Bills uh, at five is at eight fifteen, the usual starting time on ESPN. Uh, <clears throat> Cardinals, Arizona Cardinals at Dallas Cowboys, first game without Dak, so Andy Dalton will be behind center. And uh, so, should be interesting. The Chiefs-Bills game is on Fox. Um, the network's is carrying, by the way, the World Series this year. Uh, so, that should be... Uh, so, Fox will be the place to be this week. No doubt about that. And uh, yesterday was yet another interesting day in the NFL. Steelers who absolutely owned the Browns. I think that they dominated them yesterday at Heinz Field. I think that made Ben 23-2 and versus the Browns, astounding record. Minka Fitzpatrick got it all started with a uh, pick six, and uh, they just dominated from there. Their defense looks like the old days, whether it's the Steel Curtain or, uh, you know, Blitzburg with – Greg Lloyd and Kevin Green and that group. Uh, when the Steelers are playing defense, they look really hard to beat, and Ben looks great, recovering from his elbow surgery. And Chase Claypool, uh, the breakout rookie, had another breakout game. Well, last week was his breakout game, and he just continued yesterday with uh, a, a rushing touchdown and Two long catches that were nearly two more touchdowns, which would have been stacked on top of the four he had last week. Uh, the Steelers are now undefeated, as are the Tennessee Titans, with their comeback win in overtime over the Houston Texans. And uh, Derrick Henry was just immense yesterday, two touchdowns and over 200 yards rushing. And other games of note yesterday were 49ers bouncing back from the whipping they took at the hands of the Miami Dolphins in San Francisco last week. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo looked was back in form, and they took care of the Rams uh, yesterday. And the Colts made a great comeback. Phillip Rivers uh, leading it to beat the Bengals, who took an early lead in that game. So now let's take our break, and next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. So don't go anywhere. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Planning for college? 
Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance at success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Bravehearts Radio with Brian Reingold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input, too. Listen for Bravehearts Radio, Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well, joins us. And A.P., how are you doing today? I am doing very well, John. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, thank you for joining us, as always. Uh, college football, another big weekend, uh, and it was a great one, and it's only going to get better because we have the Big Ten starting this coming weekend, but clearly the game of the week, game of the year so far was Alabama-Georgia. It was a close first half, but then Alabama basically took over and uh, coasted pretty much during the second half. And uh, number two, Alabama defeated number three, Georgia. And uh, the Tide with Nick Saban back on the sidelines, uh, which didn't hurt, that's for sure. And uh, given his apparent testing uh, positive, but then followed by a few negative tests and he was there on the sidelines. So I think that was all Alabama needed to, uh, you know, be 100% ready to roll. And they were. Yeah, Alabama, John, uh, we know that their offense is potent, and I think it's, I, without having seen Big Ten or the Pac-12, it's, it's got to be the, one of the top offenses in the country, if not the, the best. Uh, Mac Jones with another 400-yard passing game, 400-plus yards, which is, he did that three consecutive weekends. That's never been done at Alabama. He's now tied with Tua Tungabalo for three 400-plus yard games. Najee Harris, 152 yards on his career-high 31 carries. Uh, Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, wide receivers, 160-plus yards. 
how do you stop someone that can run the ball with such pre- uh, precision and and let it out through the air and you're scoring touchdowns, uh, four touch four touchdowns he threw, and then you have a field goal kicker four for four thus far this season with a career high fifty two yard or one second before the buzzer rings at halftime. Yes, that was huge, and that may be the best news of of all because that's been their Achilles heel as we've yes. discussed in recent years, yes. but. Uh, not this year, and that kick yeah. to end the half was classic. In fact, that was an interesting ending where, uh, you know, the whole three seconds, if there's three seconds left, you have enough time to get up and spike the ball and uh, clock the ball, shall we say, and, you know, have time to make a field goal or kick a field goal. And so the refs didn't call it that way to begin with, but Nick Saban certainly uh, – Made sure they did, which they did, and it was the correct call. So, uh, yes, yeah. So that uh, it's good to see him get it right. That that was the right thing to do because the announcer said it before the play. Yes, John. You know they had addressed that situation because it happened to Alabama last year at the Auburn game. Okay, Uh, right. Unders Carlson made that kick from long distance. I think it was 4-4 that day, actually, and it gave them some momentum going into the second half. So the league uh, addressed that very very situation with the time management, having three seconds, and you can clock the ball in one second to get the snap off and everything. So it worked in Alabama's favor this time. And uh, like I said, the offensive performance I don't know, John. Really, when you really when you examine that game and analyze all the production, I can't think of a better game that Alabama has ever played offensively. I I just have to go back in the records and, and, and check it. But just off the top of my head, I mean, just think of this as a recruiting game, John. You could tell the wide receivers you could come to Alabama and have a, a big night for 160 yards, and your partner could too. Right. Yes. And you can say as a as a quarterback, you could throw for 400 yards, and then you speak to the running back. And said we can have you run for 150 yards on a night when our receivers have 160 apiece, and the quarterback throws for 400, all against a top five. Let's get this straight now: a top five Southeastern Conference school. Correct. Perfectly said, AP. That, that about sums it up. That that is a serious recruiting tool right there. That uh, will only mm-hmm. help the rich get richer, and rightfully so. Yeah, um, yeah that was very impressive. They're, they're just so balanced, and Mac Jones is certainly delivering it. And, uh, you know, obviously Najee Harris and uh, Jalen Water will both be playing on Sunday, no doubt about it. Yes. Um, right. And, and yeah. Devontae, and Smith. Now, Devontae Smith had another double-digit catches, John. I think it was 10 or 11. Exactly. He's, he's emerged. Two, he's emerged two games from in the a pack. row. Yeah. Right. He's emerged yeah. from the pack of talented wide receiving core at Alabama, uh, you know, to take that second spot to Jalen Waddle. And now he's, you know, a weapon in and of himself. So, uh, so yeah, they look formidable, to put it mildly. Again, George is having a great season, number three team in the country. And, uh, Alabama had him handled by the end of the third quarter. The game was not in doubt. Mm-hmm. No, John, just to give you an idea about Devontae Smith, he's kind of been in the 
in the background a little bit, but he's you know he's the one who caught the walk off touchdown when they beat Georgia in the championship game from Tuatanga Vailoa. Uh, he's had a couple of two hundred yard games last year. He now John has twenty seven touchdowns, which is second only to Amari Cooper. At 31, and, and that 31, Amari, I believe it's tied with Chris Doring of Florida, uh, all-time best for the conference. So that, that's Devontae Smith, 27 touchdowns. Wow. So he's hardly, uh, he, you know, hardly a sleeper. And that's why we love having you on, because that is a fascinating, uh, fascinating background there, because, you, you know, frankly, it's tough to keep track with all the Alabama superstars through the years. And, but you... <laughs> Crystallize it perfectly by saying he's the one that caught Tua's game-winning national championship touchdown to beat Georgia in overtime. And nothing more need be said, that's for sure. Legendary play, to put a mild Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. John, they order a lot of ink at Alabama because it never gets too dry with all these records being set offensively and otherwise uh, under Nick Saban. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And Nick Saban, what a week for him, huh? You know, I mean... Number one, when he got the first positive test, I was very impressed with how he, you know, come out and talk to the media and just the way he was handling everything so calmly and coolly, uh, you know, just really, you know, probably still practically in a state of shock soon after receiving a positive yeah. test. But again, just yeah. being, you know, really, uh, you know, Someone who was explaining his situation, how he had handled it, how the team and the university had been handling it, their protocols and whatnot. And, uh, and, and I just thought it was, you know, classic Nick Saban, like very measured, even in, uh, you know, a time that must have just been shocking for him personally to be dealing with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, John, he's been a staunch advocate for wearing the mask, yep. social distancing, following all the protocols. And he said it was an emotional moment for him to return to his team because let's think about this. He's been coaching since I think it was the, you know, like 74 or something like that. That's four decades. And all of a sudden being told you can't be with your team. Just think about this for a moment, just for a brief uh, moment. He wasn't able to do the thing that he loves. And I think it just struck him. It just hit him that what would ever happen to me if I wasn't coaching football and being around my team? Yeah, before the biggest game of the year, no less, uh, and a team, yes. Georgia, coached by his former assistant. I mean, it was just all, like, pretty surreal, actually, for all of us. So you can only imagine yeah. what it had to be like for him personally to be suddenly yeah. in that situation. Um in the end, AP, I saw some things. It sounded like maybe it was a false positive or it was done by a, yes. a non-SEC lab, but then the, Entity, la- right. the other tests were an SEC-affiliated right. company or whatever. Am I got that kind of correct? Yeah, yeah that, that's, that's pretty well documents the, the scenario, John. Yeah, so... And just think of it, the timing, it had to be 24 hours between the tests. So if it happens one day later, maybe he's not coaching on the sideline. So Correct. there was some clock management involved. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> the yeah. off the field. The some clock, clock management, management with your testing, yeah. 
Yeah, right. Ultimate clock management, right? So, but Alabama shut Georgia out in the second half. I was so surprised because it looked like Alabama just would have to come out and score every time. Georgia put the pressure on uh, Alabama. You know, they have a, a very good team. Uh, had a chance to question Devontae Smith after the game. He said those are some of the best defensive backs he played against as a unit, but they still torched him for over 400 yards. And Georgia's quarterback made some errors. And in that type of game where the the margin should be fairly close, you can't turn the ball over a significant amount of times more than the other team. Alabama had the opening interception, of course, and then Georgia gave it right back with an interception. So uh, it, it was very. I, I think I think CBS is probably happy with that broadcast because it was twenty-four to twenty at the halftime, and uh, yes. the home team was losing and. Uh, you know, the underdog had a chance, and, you know, there's a two-good football team. But we find out that Alabama's offense is uh, very impressive when you're going against a Georgia defense that would have been surrendering just 12 points. And so uh, I think that the road to victory for Alabama is going to be that offense and the, the defense having just enough ability uh, athletically and execution-wise to stop the team so the offense can get the ball back because I, I fear that the defense is still has quite a few holes. Right, right. Well, they, you know, typically will round into form as the season rolls along. That's been yeah. their MO, and I expect that to happen with this team as well. A lot of talent on the defense, obviously. Yes, yes, I think so. If they can continue to get a pass rush, they got to the quarterback a couple times, I recall. Yep. So that's the main thing. You look down the road, you see of someone like Trevor Lawrence, if you don't affect him, uh, you know, they're unstoppable offensively. 73 points against Georgia Tech. I mean, Georgia Tech, pretty good, pretty good program. I mean, I thought they were coming, coming around, but uh, there were no match. And that was, that was on the road, Clemson, that in Atlanta, Georgia. Yes, and I also believe he had five touchdown passes as well as something that sounds like 400 yards in total offense all in the first half. I mean, he just lit it up. Um, That may have been his Heisman moment uh, because it was all in the first half. And, boy, he is is something. And suddenly with Alabama-Georgia now behind us, uh, you know, the Notre Dame-Clemson game is shaping up as the potential game of the year, um, you know, out on the horizon. So we shall see. But, AP, uh, hard to believe it's at the end of our first segment already. Uh, goes quickly this time of year. Uh, but why don't we take our break now and a lot more to get to on the other side. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, health, environment, and the power of water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective. Your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. 
Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. On Read My Lips Radio, producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, invites you to eavesdrop on her live, unscripted conversations with smart, savvy, creative people as she discovers what makes them tick, where they find their inspiration, when creativity first became their passion, and how their creative process can inspire the rest of us to think out of the box. Enjoy, a.k.a. Radio Red's always lively, cool conversations with creatives. Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Oh, how those lips can talk. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby, to join the show. The call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And A.P., in our previous segment, we had touched on Tua, and Tua is trending today with just a fabulous photo of him sitting after the game where he... After the game where he made his first NFL appearance and threw his, and completed his first NFL pass and uh, the Dolphins blow out o- over the Jets, Tua just sitting there at the 15-yard line or so in Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, soaking it all in, and I, I guess he called his parents on the phone, and let's not remember that it was about a year ago, if I'm not mistaken, that his career was in jeopardy with that injury, so... Uh, what a difference a year makes, right? Yeah, it sure does, John. You have a chance to recuperate and and not be rushed into any type of situation before you're completely healthy. And so he just wanted to cherish the moment. And good for him. And you would know better than me. I mean, he he's that kind of a guy, right? The kind of a guy that would yes. cherish the moment uh, and call his parents and uh, just classic Tua. So good for him. Again, it's, you know, trending everywhere. The photo is already, uh, you know, just uh, one that everybody is looking at and loving. And uh, and good for him. Um, mm-hmm. So we had a lot of other uh, big SEC games over the weekend. 
before we get that, the game I happened to tune in at the end, AP, that was amazing ending, really, was Florida State uh, beating North yeah. Carolina it's in top five North Carolina. They jumped out to like a 31-7 to lead, and then North Carolina came storming back in the second half. But the take-home will be that North Carolina driving down the field on, on the Seminole side of the field, their receivers dropped three passes, uh, the worst of which was the last one on a fourth down, any one of which could have set them up to uh, tie or win the game. So that, that was just quite an ending, but you know the, the, the take-home from it, clearly, even more than North Carolina State, North Carolina, excuse me, the Tar Heels, being beaten was, is you know, Florida State winning. You know, they've been losing to, uh, uh, you know, Division two programs and whatnot, and suddenly they beat a top-five right. team. So, you know, the announcer said it perfectly at the end, AP. We've heard this line before, but it's true, you know. College football is better off if Florida State is good, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. You have to have somebody in that lead to challenge Clemson, but it was certainly a surprise I think it was twenty-four nothing at one point. The uh, right. surge to thirty-one to seven, and I, I turned on the game and just totally flabbergasted that North Carolina, a team with a, an excellent quarterback, a couple one-thousand-yard yep. receivers, running backs for a thousand yards, and you're you haven't scored a point. And this is to a Florida State team that gave up was it forty-two to Miami? Was it forty-two points? Yes, something like that. Uh, yeah, I, I mean again. That game was like, you know, I'm checking the scores, watching whatever game, maybe even baseball, and all of a sudden I saw that score and I immediately switched over. Uh, it was on, you know, ABC, and I immediately switched over, and once I did, that was it. I wasn't, I wasn't moving off that because it was really exciting, and, uh, and, you know, the ending was just incredible. Um, but again, yeah. Florida State—it's uh, like they reawoke suddenly uh, after what is a year and a half, two years slumber. It feels like, and we'll see what happens from here on in. But uh, they serve notice that maybe they're they're back, and the announcers kept saying like that the players were saying, the coaches, whatnot, all week, like we're about to turn the corner. And I guess they had that right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they. But John, let's uh, remember now. We heard many young men uh, claim that they're back. You know, the quarterback from Texas after they beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. Right. We know what happened the next year. So, one game does not make a season. One game does not make a program. Especially when you're Florida State, you you used to winning uh, against top opponents. So, uh, these young men at Florida State better remember that it's done, it done many many times and for decades plus uh, in Tallahassee before you start making the, that proclamation, I just say, get ready for the next game. Correct. Serious pedigree at that school, to put it mildly. So uh, Right, yeah. They, uh, the, the alumni can't be too happy. The former players can't be happy with someone making that claim. Oh, we're back. You know, one game. You, you're not back yet. That, that, there's a lot to be uh, a, a lot to be achieved before. Absolutely. Well, they need, you know, they need to start somewhere if they're coming back. And that could have been the start. We shall see. That's the fun part. We shall see. And we, uh, 
AP, the SEC, is, continues to just be uh, must-see TV because these days it's like, uh, you know, uh, it feels like, you know, the, the, the playing field has been leveled where you have Kentucky just lambasting Tennessee and Knoxville. You have South Carolina yeah. beating Auburn. And you have Arkansas taking care of Ole Miss. These are all upsets to a degree or at minimum surprises given pre, you know, given recent history, shall we say. Um, so yeah, it's been that kind of a year, as we all know, <laughs> uh, not a whole lot of defense being played in the sec, uh, you know, which is surprising to everybody. And it's just, uh, been a topsy turvy year and these three games on Saturday illustrated it yet again. Yeah, John, that Kentucky game, you know, they have a pretty good offensive and defensive line. Uh, they gave up 42 to Ole Miss in a tight ball game a few weeks back, and but they had a turnaround now. They just annihilated uh, Tennessee and Nashville. Uh, there was, and we spoke about this many times, John, the quarterback play at Tennessee has not been good. Nope. You know, and I'm being kind saying that. So they turned the ball over, a couple pick, quick pick sixes, I guess it was, and it was so bad for Tennessee that they fired the defensive line coach, Jimmy Brumball. Wow. Like this morning. Recently. I can't, yeah. I don't know if it was yesterday or this morning, but a word came out. So, and this is after I think uh, the coach said they did a pretty good job in the second half, but he wasn't satisfied overall with the play of the defensive line. And, th- and in that league, you better have a front seven. It can tackle and be consistent week to week because you're going to end up on the wrong side of the score. Absolutely. No doubt about it. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, they don't mess around on the SEC. You know, it's, it's results oriented to put it mildly. And, you know, Will Muschamp gets a big win at, uh, over Auburn, Auburn's uh, yeah. off to an uneven start, uh, but a big win for Will Muschamp up there, to say the least, in Columbia. And then Arkansas, you know, I can't help but wonder, you know, after Ole Miss after their stunning uh, offensive performance against Alabama the week before, if they were just feeling a bit of a hangover, and Arkansas is showing signs of, uh, you know, making strides here after a couple off years for them. It was 20 to zip at one time during the Arkansas game, I believe, John. This is a team that put 48 on Alabama. So you've got to salute Barry Odom, the former Missouri coach, who's now the defensive coordinator at Arkansas. And they have the transfer from Florida, Felipe Franks, who's doing a pretty good job for them, putting points on the board. Sam Pittman, the head coach, former offensive line coach at University of Georgia. So, and then Kendall Bryles, I guess, is the OC. So, as a collective group, they're doing a, a great job uh, elevating that program because I'm not sure there's a lot of talent there compared to everyone else. And they held on for the victory, so that was big for them. Uh, they should have beaten Auburn the week before when Bo Nix threw the ball behind him. It should have been the rule of the fumble, but the whistle blew inadvertently too quickly. 
then you look at, at Auburn, uh, Bo Nix threw for 272 yards, a, a, a season high, I believe, but three turnovers led to three short fields, and South Carolina had a touchdown on all three of those drives. Uh, Auburn was ahead 9 and nothing, 16-7 to seven at one point, 16-14, I think, at halftime, but they couldn't hold on for the victory. Uh, Tank Bigsby is a good running back for Auburn, a freshman. He had 100-plus yards, 16 carries, and you can see he's going to be a good ball player for him. But Seth Williams, they, they targeted the Auburn receiver 14 times, but he only had four receptions. That's not a good ratio for one of your you know better offensive uh, players. So then they had a little rift on the sideline between Bo Nix and Seth Williams, a wide receiver. And last night I had a Zoom with Gus, and he mentioned the fact that they're going to correct that uh, emotion and make it more positive next time. You can't be arguing like that during the middle of the game. You keep your emotions uh, trying to win the ball game. And, you know, you can't have this this nonsense where you're shouting in the shouting match on the sideline between the wide receiver and the and the quarterback. And then Anthony Schwartz, you know, he's as fast as anybody in America, probably the fastest football player, I would say, I'd venture to guess. Um, six receptions, but only 59 yards, John. That's not good enough. You get six no. receptions in Alabama, Jalen Waddles, 160 yards. Okay? There you go. So you're not doing something right. I mean, that's just to give you an example. I'm not saying you got to get 160 yards. you got six receptions. You're Anthony Schwartz, world-class printer. you got to have close to 100 yards, if not more. And, you know, the offensive line, Gus said, did a little bit better. He was pretty pleased with them, actually. So that's the biggest question mark coming into the season. But South Carolina took advantage of it. It's not good, John, when you're the opposing quarterback and a defensive back is the uh, defensive player of the week. I think his name is J.C. Horn, the cornerback for South Carolina. So that's not good. No, not at all. Not at all. And never good to be arguing on the sideline with teammates. That just is always a... Uh, a gigantic red flag. So uh, they need to get things some corrected down there. And, and, and you know, I'm guessing they will. You know, uh, their history tells me yeah, yeah. they'll straighten it out down there. It really does. Auburn. Yeah, they, yeah, they better. I mean, I know the big buyout for Gus, and uh, which that's a subject matter that I don't quite understand when athletic directors, they throw out this net where everybody else has to fork over the money because they make a decision and they're not willing to live with it. And what I always tell people, to me, if I was an athletic director, um, I'm signing somebody, for instance, Alabama signed Nick Saban to a $32 million contract, more amount did for eight years. There was no buyout. I mean, essentially, you're telling somebody, you don't want to coach at Alabama, you want to walk away from $32 million, go ahead. We will find ourselves a capable individual to coach this team, and there will be a long list of candidates that'll jump at the opportunity. And I believe that at Auburn and Alabama, I believe that at any SEC school, you Correct. can find somebody to coach your team and not burden everybody by signing a contract where you have a buyout. If that person doesn't want to be there, what what good is that person to you, John? Correct. If they don't want to be there. Uh, I don't understand that, that thinking. You know, yeah, I understand it's great for the agent. It's great for the coach. But it's not good for a university when you're trying to find money and everybody's hurting and you're you're paying people million, millions of dollars, not, not hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars to stay at home. Correct. No, I think it's that way in all walks of life, but even more so in a league like the SEC. And AP, we're here at the end of our uh, second segment together. And why don't we take our break now and still a few more things to get to on the other side. 
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England. Along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week. And each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, Decide that you have something to say and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you ever experienced the joy of living? Not just aspects of your life, but the true joy of life itself. Barry Shore has. You could call him an ambassador of joy. From a successful entrepreneur to becoming a quadriplegic due to a rare disease to his ongoing recovery through swimming and physical rehabilitation, Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is World Series all week long, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, starting tomorrow. Uh, Tampa Bay Rays versus L.A. Dodgers should be a lot of fun. And, uh, and then... Saturday and Sunday are games, and then, uh, yeah, and then into next week if we have uh, game six and seven. Not sure about the schedule. It might be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, then Saturday, Sunday, or Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever. A lot of baseball coming up, AP, and uh, that's going to be fun. Um, Tampa Bay suddenly looking to be the sports capital of the world. Taking the mantle from Boston, I'd say. <laughs> the Lightning have already won. Good, good. The Razor in yeah. the World Series and the Tampa Bay Bucks look like Super Bowl contenders yesterday. So 
I think Tom Brady's magic is sprinkling all around the city, not just over the Tampa Bay Bucks. <laughs> Who would have figured that was contagious? Contagious, exactly. Uh, well, AP, we had, uh, and another thing that gets going uh, this week, certainly appointment television, for sure, aside from the World Series, is uh, the Big Ten starts on Saturday. It's very exciting uh, for Big Ten yeah. fans. That would include me as someone who grew up in the shadow of Beaver Stadium at Penn State. And AP, you know, given Alabama's win over Georgia, North Carolina ranked five in some polls, losing to Florida State, there'll be a bit of a remake here of the uh, of the top ten and and even the top five. But one thing's for sure, Ohio State will probably will be in the top five, and now you can, you know, actually watch them play. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching them, John, because. I believe they're a top five team because you have the return of Justin Fields and that coaching staff seems to understand how to manage the R, the recruiting, and the D, the development. So they're the team to beat, I would think. But we know that the second week of the season, it'll be at Penn State, another team that's projected to be very good. Yes, the uh, Penn State hosts Ohio State on Halloween night. That would be 12 days from now. <laughs> Hard to believe. And that, of course, traditionally would have been the whiteout game. Uh, interestingly, AP, one year ago tonight, I attended my first ever Penn State whiteout game when they beat Michigan uh, October 19th, 2019. Seems like a lifetime ago. And that was a great game. And now... The thought of putting 110,000 people in a stadium, let alone all dressed in white, seems like a completely outlandish concept here in the days of the pandemic. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess I would just say, AP, I'm glad I went last year because it won't be happening this year. You, you must be a dancer, John. Your timing was excellent. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Um, so, yeah, uh, suddenly, you know, college football will round out. Uh, you know, with Big Ten starting, it's going to seem even more real. And it's certainly seemed a whole lot more real since the SEC started a couple weeks back. Now the Big Ten, and if I'm not mistaken, the Pac-12 will follow uh, a week or two later. And then we'll have everybody, mostly, uh, all the big conferences, the Power Five in play. Um, so it's exciting times, to say the least. Uh, Ohio State hosts Nebraska, national TV mm -hmm. at noon. And that's going to be kind of must-see TV to just see Ohio State back on the field. That will be a, it, a clear message like Big Ten is back. You know, John, in a strange way, I was just thinking about the Pac-12. Uh, and, of course, the Big 12, most of their name teams, Texas and Oklahoma, they have multiple losses. But Oklahoma State is still undefeated, I believe. But in a strange way, John, the Pac-12 is noted for scoring points. Correct. This might be a year for them because no one else seems to be able to play defense effectively. Uh, you know, unless Alabama gets better or you know Clemson has some good people on on, D, on that side of the ball, the Pac-12 if they have an undefeated uh, league champion, they might be in this national playoff hunt. Yes, AP. Well, you know, I, I think uh, 
if we can say nothing else about 2020, we can say anything can happen. Things that haven't happened before can happen, will happen this year. And if that's the Pac-12 getting in the Final Four for the FBS championship or college football playoff national championship, so be it. Uh, again, nothing would, uh, nothing would surprise anybody these days after what we've seen. And, you know, even the Big 12, again, they haven't played. They're known for not playing defense. And having shootouts, and now all of a sudden, since those types of games are happening in the SEC and beyond, it doesn't. It's not as glaring. It doesn't stand out as much. So I think that also enhances the Big 12's chances of maybe getting in the CFP. If, if they can get an undefeated team, probably I'm thinking uh, maybe could have one loss at this point. I'm not sure because the top five right now is as good as guess as anybody: Clemson, Alabama. And, Notre Dame in there, and they couldn't score against Louisville, which was surprising. Twelve to seven victory. I mean, that's the best thing they survived. But um, Notre Dame will have their chance when they host Clemson. I think it's in early November, and that has the potential to be the game of the year. Uh, yeah. I think everybody's, you know, the the thought of Trevor Lawrence playing against the ghosts in Notre Dame Stadium is really going to be appetizing, to put it mildly. And something we can all get, you know, pretty excited about, given, uh, you know, Clemson, how, how good they look, how what they did on Saturday, you know, 71 to 7 or whatever. So, anyway, AP, on that note, uh, it's time to call it a show. want to thank you, as always, for calling in and doing your usual great job. Hey, thank you, John. It was always my pleasure. And thank you again, AP, and as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at noon Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning into All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. 